Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The texts, all three. Please be seated. Dear brothers and sisters of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, behold, the life-giving cross upon which was hung the salvation of the world. That's one of the versicles spoken on the Good Friday service. Three times it's said, and rightly so. For on a Friday afternoon in 33 AD, the salvation of the world, namely our Lord Jesus Christ, hung on the cross. Well, if only the cross could talk, what a sermon it could preach. But instead, well, you're just simply stuck with me, a rude, hayseed kid from Wyoming. And most of you are saying that as a pastor, I'm out over my skis. And you may be right. Nonetheless, I'd better get to it. I'll do the best that I can today. But hang on tight and fasten your seatbelts because it may be a surprisingly wonderful ride. Now, first, I want to say something about the cross. It is, of course, wood and large masonry-like nails that must be hammered and pounded. Those are the raw materials of a carpenter. And yet it became a device of extreme torture, of ruthless execution. Do you know who invented the cross? The Persians did. But the Romans used it to extreme perfection. Designing a cross, brothers and sisters, shows the innovativeness of mankind's barbaric, vicious brutality. If you've seen Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion of the Christ, you see how he captures the absolute viciousness of being crucified. It's no wonder then that after people watched that film, it brought them to tears, sobbing, and weeping. I saw that with my own eyes. To be crucified in the ancient world was the cruelest way to die. Crucifixion, of course, was for anarchists, insurrectionists, terrorists, and slaves. Cicero, the renowned Roman statesman and philosopher, called crucifixion the supreme capital penalty, the most painful, dreadful, and ugly. We would call it cruel and unusual punishment and say that it's unconstitutional. You remember in the Old Testament, and Paul quotes it in Galatians 3.13, that anyone who was hung on a tree was cursed. And lo and behold, in the hands of God, the cross is the instrument of the world's freedom, forgiveness, life, and salvation. That is the wisdom of God. That is the power of God. Behold! the life-giving cross upon which was hung the salvation of the world. Why? Well, because Good Friday's cross is the altar of sacrifice. You see, Jesus is the perfect and unblemished Lamb of God offered as the whole burnt offering. You remember Genesis 22, don't you? Isaac asked his father Abraham, Dad, where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Where's the sacrifice that's going to be put on the wood? <laughs> Little did Isaac know that he was like a lamb being led to the slaughter. And faithful Father Abraham, trusting God's promise, believing in God in the face of utter contradiction. How could God ask Abraham to sacrifice his only son, the son of the promise whom he loved so dearly? Yes, Abraham, the father of nations, was asked to sacrifice the son he loved. God appeared to contradict himself, and yet Abraham trusted God will provide the land 
for the burnt offering on the stone. And just as Abraham was about to plunge the knife into Isaac's heart, the angel of the Lord intervened, you remember that? And caught in a thicket was a ram, a substitute sacrifice. God will provide. And he did. He did. God will provide. On the wood of the cross is God's lamb, named Jesus, caught in the thorny thicket of the law. Offered up on the wood of the cross, Jesus is the substitute sacrifice for all of us. He is God's whole burnt offering for the sin of the world. Jesus is perfect and unblemished, but he is consumed in a double fire. Did you hear me? A double fire. First, the fire of God's wrath against all sin and every sinner, and at the same time, the fire of God's burning passion to save you all. Brothers and sisters, never has wood raised up such a sacrifice as the wood on which the beloved Son of God was offered up for your salvation, for the world's salvation. Christ's cross is also the doorpost of the world. Remember the Passover in Exodus? The night in Egypt when the firstborn were struck dead? And more. The wood of every Hebrew doorpost was smeared with what? Dark red blood of the Lamb. And that was their only safeguard from death that night. God's promise was to Israel, when I see the blood, I will pass over you, Exodus 12. The Passover lamb was the substitute for the firstborn of Israel. Its blood painted on the wood guarded against their death. The Good Friday cross is stained dark red with the blood of the Passover lamb, Jesus the Christ. Brothers and sisters, do you realize that Christ's blood shelters you now from death? <laughs> so never has wood been so gloriously stained as the crimson wood of Christ's cross, where his blood is smeared, death passes over. Behold the life-giving cross which was hung the salvation of the world. Why? Why do you behold it? Well, because Christ's cross is the pole that lifts up God's banner of salvation or standard in the battlefield. We heard of the bronze serpent in the Old Testament reading. God's antidote to the sting of the fiery snakes. God told Moses to make a serpent of bronze, put it on a pole, lift it really high so that the snake-bitten Israelites could look at it and be cured. The cure resembled the disease. A snake of bronze on a wooden pole. Jesus categorically declared today you know you heard it in John's Gospel in John 3, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, this is John 3, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And John 12, today you heard, and when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. The sting of death is sin. The power, the poison of sin is the law. But Jesus, he is the anti-serum to death's venom. The cure resembles the disease. Bearing the sin of the world in his body on the cross, Jesus was made to be your sin and death, so that in him you have his righteousness. Behold the sweet swap. God laid all your sin on his son and nailed him on the pole of the cross 
and lifted him on high for the entire world to see. So on the cross, you see your sin, and you see God's wrath endured by Jesus. Jesus hangs dead on the cross, forsaken by his Father, and yet you see your healing and God's mercy. Never has wood been so regally adorned as the wood to which the body of God the Son was stapled. No flag of any country or king can come close to matching the beauty of this Good Friday cross. The cross is the royal banner behind which the church of newborn soldiers of the crucified march through death and the grave to eternal life. Brothers and sisters, you bear on your foreheads from your baptism the sign of the cross, the mark of the crucified for you. And it is here at Trinity Murdoch why we preach, as Paul did, Christ crucified. Behold the life-giving cross upon which was hung the salvation of the world. Why behold it? Here's why. Because Christ's cross is the tree of life for sinners. The tree of life. Don't forget that Adam and Eve, when they rebelled by wanting to be little divinities, were condemned and barred from eating what? From the tree of life. But now, you Good Friday lead died for sinners may freely eat from Christ's cruciform tree and live. Jesus says in John 6, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And then he says, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the cross of Jesus Christ is now what? It is the tree of life, Eden restored. And you're welcome to eat from it. His body with the bread, his blood with the wine. In the Lord's Supper, forgiveness, life, and salvation. Never has wood borne such magnificent fruit as Christ's cross. Without it, there would be no baptism, there'd be no absolution, no supper, no forgiveness for sinners. His cross, brothers and sisters, is the life-giving tree that gives life to all who believe in him. Behold, the life-giving cross on which was hung. Why behold it? Well, because Christ's cross is his glory, as we heard from the gospel today. His triumphal hour. Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? Oh, it's for this purpose that I have come to this hour, Jesus said. Our Lord's death on the cross is his crowning achievement. It is the consummation of his salvational work. It is his victory over sin and death because he said it is finished. That's what he preached from the cross. So Christ's preaching and all of his miracles that you read about in the New Testament all find their consummation on Good Friday. Christ's death on the cross is indeed God's power to save hidden under weakness. It is God's sublime wisdom disguised in utter foolishness. Yes, never has wood so gloriously triumphed in battle as the cross on which was hung the victor who conquered death by dying. The evil one who once overcame by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is now overcome by the triumphal tree of the cross. Now, brothers and sisters, the church of today is tempted to deny the cross and what Jesus did there. 
Like the Jews and the Greeks of Paul's day, people in America clamor for signs of power, for proof of God in the world. Others want to make religion reasonable, rational, logical, palatable for a cancel culture mind. Signs for the Jews, wisdom for the Greeks, but Americans, what do they push? Practicality. Whatever works. Because if it works, oh, it's got to be from God, right? So, pastor, never mind all that preaching of the cross. That doesn't fill the church. That doesn't pay the bills, reverend. Instead, impress us, reverend. Amuse us. Entertain us. Make us feel good about ourselves. Help us feel spiritual. But don't say anything that would ever offend us or trigger us. <laughs> or that we might hear as some kind of microaggression and make us feel unsafe. And never, never, ever, pastor, preach in order to put our old Adam to death. Let us do whatever floats our boats. Don't cramp our self-justifying style. Well, if you want me to run with that, and if you want to do that, well, you end up with what? A crossless, Christless religion. You have Forgiveness without repentance. You have absolution without personal confession. You have baptism without daily rising, dying and rising. Joy without sorrow. Easter without Good Friday. Life without suffering. Never forget what Jesus said today. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. So to a world addicted on its own self-esteem, self-worth, and self-fulfillment, these words from John 12 of our Lord Jesus Christ are absolute heresy, foolishness, stupidity, absurdity. But to a faither like you, a hanger-on of our Lord Jesus Christ, this is God's power. This is God's wisdom. Brothers and sisters, at your baptism, the pastor, perhaps it was even maybe the pastor you're stuck with here at Trinity, <laughs> said... Receive the sign of the Holy Cross both upon your forehead and upon your heart to mark you as one redeemed by Christ the crucified. Many of you parents and grandparents remember that, don't you? When I did that with you. Well, baptized in the name of Jesus, you have been given all that Jesus died to win for you on the cross. And buried with Christ into his death through baptism, you are given to lead a new life. That's how Paul proclaims it in Romans 6. And from the drowning of the old Adam in the baptismal font comes forth a new creation, spelled F-A-I-T-H. You are marked. Do you realize that? You're tattooed. Do you know that? You are branded with the seal of him who died for you. You belong to Christ crucified, and he to you. You no longer live, but Christ who is in you, with his resurrection power, he lives. So the life you now live by faith in the Son of God who loved you, and gave himself up for you is a life of living for others. So brothers and sisters, when you get up in the morning or when you go to bed at night, make the sign of the cross and say, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, confess the Apostles' Creed, pray the Lord's Prayer, and the little I thank you prayers from the Catechism. Daily die to sin and rise to new life in Jesus who died and rose for you. Daily live by faith, faith only in the crucified Christ, because he is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus will keep you in his nail-scarred hands for the rest of your life, all the way through your death and your being buried in the grave to the glorious resurrection of the body and life forever in heaven.
and then you'll see him with your eyes, and his Good Friday wounds will still be showing what he did on the cross for you and all its eternal benefits. What joy. I mean, this is absolutely magnificent. <laughs> In the name of Jesus. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus.